Welcome to this online act of worship at St Bride's Church, Fleet Street, here in the very heart of the City of London. We're delighted that you're joining us. Do please leave a comment or a like. It's always good to hear from you. And if you would like to donate to help support these online services, you'll find information about how to do so in the accompanying text. And now, may the light and peace of Christ be with us all as our worship begins. Moses said, choose life that you and your descendants may live, loving the Lord your God, obeying his voice and cleaving to him.
The Lord be with you. And A very warm welcome to our choral Eucharist on this, the twelfth Sunday after Trinity. It's wonderful that you can join us for this online service. We begin now with an opening prayer. Let us pray. Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open, all desires known, and from whom no secrets are hidden, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, Jesus Christ, to save us from our sins, to be our advocate in heaven, and to bring us to eternal life. Let us confess our sins in penitence and faith, firmly resolved to keep God's commandments and to live in love and peace with all. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, we have sinned against you and against our neighbour in thought and word and deed, through negligence, through weakness, through our own deliberate fault. We are truly sorry and repent of all our sins. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, who died for us, forgive us all that is past and grant that we may serve you in newness of life to the glory of your name. Amen. Almighty God, who forgives all who truly repent, have mercy upon you, pardon and deliver you from all your sins. Confirm and strengthen you in all goodness, and keep you in life eternal, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.
Almighty and everlasting God, you are always more ready to hear than we to pray and to give more than either we desire or deserve. Pour down upon us the abundance of your mercy, forgiving us those things of which our conscience is afraid and giving us those good things which we are not worthy to ask, but through the merits and mediation of Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who is alive and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. A reading from the book Deuteronomy. See, I have set before you this day life and good, death and evil. If you obey the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you this day, by loving the Lord your God, by walking in his ways, and by keeping his commandments and his statutes and his ordinances, then you shall live and multiply, and the Lord your God will bless you in the land which you are entering to take possession of it. But if your heart turns away, and you will not hear, but are drawn away to worship other gods and serve them, I declare to you this day that you shall perish. You shall not live long in the land which you are going over the Jordan to enter and possess. I call heaven and earth to witness against you this day, that I have set before you life and death, blessing and curse. Therefore choose life, that you and your descendants may live, loving the Lord your God, obeying his voice and cleaving to him. For that means life to you and the length of days, that you may dwell in the land which the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give them. This is the word of the Lord.
A reading from the letter to Philemon. Paul, a prisoner for Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our beloved fellow worker, and Apphia, our sister, and Archippus, our fellow soldier, and the church in your house, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God always when I remember you in my prayers, because I hear of your love and of the faith which you have toward the Lord Jesus and all the saints, and I pray that the sharing of your faith may promote the knowledge of all the good that is ours in Christ. For I have derived much joy and comfort from your love, my brother, because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed through you. Accordingly, though I am bold enough in Christ to command you to do what is required, yet for love's sake I prefer to appeal to you, I, Paul, an ambassador and now a prisoner also for Christ Jesus, I appeal to you for my child, Onesimus, whose father I have become in my imprisonment. Formerly he was useless to you, but now he is indeed useful to you and to me. I am sending him back to you, sending my very heart. I would have been glad to keep him with me, in order that he might serve me on your behalf during my imprisonment for the gospel but I preferred to do nothing without your consent, in order that your goodness might not be by compulsion, but of your own free will. Perhaps this is why he was parted from you for a while, that you might have him back forever, no longer as a slave, but more than a slave, as a beloved brother, especially to me, but how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord. So if you consider me your partner, receive him as you would receive me. If he has wronged you at all, or owes you anything, charge that to my account. I, Paul, write this with my own hand. I will repay it, to say nothing of your owing me even your own self. Yes, brother, I want some benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. Confident of your obedience, I write to you, knowing that you will do even more than I say. At the same time, prepare a guest room for me, for I am hoping through your prayers to be granted to you. Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, sends greetings to you, and so do Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, and Luke, my fellow workers. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. This is the word of the Lord.
Hear the Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Luke. Great multitudes accompanied Jesus, and he turned and said to them, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not bear his own cross and comes after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you, desiring to build a tower, does not first sit down and count the cost, whether he has enough to complete it. Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king, going to encounter another king in war, will not sit down first and take counsel, whether he is able with ten thousand to meet him who comes against him with twenty thousand. And if not, while the other is yet a great way off, he sends an embassy and asks terms of peace. So, therefore, whoever of you does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. This is the Gospel of the Lord. God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. One of the extraordinary privileges of living where I do, here in the heart of London, is that I have some of the most famous museums and art galleries in the world virtually on my doorstep. These wonderful institutions are vast, so much so that they're so packed with remarkable things that you can very quickly feel dazed and overwhelmed by the sheer quantity of artefacts and works of art on display. Indeed, as I'm sure some of you may have discovered for yourselves, if you head out aiming to see everything, you can actually end up seeing very little and are instead reduced to roaming around rather aimlessly, flitting between the random selection of objects or paintings that happen to catch your eye. So, a lesson that I learnt very early on was the wisdom of planning such visits quite carefully in advance and limiting them to one thing, to one small part of a collection or one room in a museum or the work of one artist in a gallery, for example. Because by attempting to cover fewer things but to spend time with them properly, you can end up seeing far more and discovering all kinds of fascinating things that otherwise you might have overlooked completely. And so it was in that spirit that over the summer I made several visits to the V&A, the Victoria and Albert Museum, where I chanced upon two little historical artefacts that I'd like to tell you about this morning. Both of them are directly linked to the celebration of Holy Communion, the service that we're conducting here this morning. And yet, they were both completely new to me. 
and they came from traditions other than my own, that of the Church of England. The first was a selection of little tokens made of pewter or nickel dating from the 1800s, which came from Presbyterian churches in different parts of London. They were labelled as communion tokens, and a brief explanatory card revealed that a person who was granted one of these tokens was judged to be in good moral standing, so could be permitted to receive Holy Communion at that church. Now, I have to say that I was completely taken aback by the very idea of communion tokens, specifically the notion that those in authority within a church, whether it was the minister or perhaps a group of elders, that those people should be in a position to determine which individual members of their congregation were deemed to be persons of sufficient moral rectitude that they could be permitted to receive the body and blood of Christ. I found the whole idea quite horrifying. Now, I should point out that it's certainly the case that in the unlikely event of there being a member of the congregation of St. Brides who was such a notorious and unrepentant evildoer that their receiving of communion at this service would cause open scandal, then there does exist a process within the canon law of the Church of England that could result in the temporary excommunication of that person. But that is a very different thing altogether from me routinely, routinely deciding which of you I judged could safely be allowed to approach the altar rail at all, because that works on the assumption that it is a special privilege granted to the few. And surely the exact opposite must be the case. The whole premise upon which our celebration of the Eucharist here each Sunday is based is that we all get it wrong all the time. We are all sinners. We are all in need of forgiveness, which is why we come here Sunday by Sunday in order to be fed to be fed metaphorically through the gifts of music and prayer and the word of God, and to be fed literally by receiving the bread and wine of communion. And it's always seemed to me as a parish priest that if a hand reaches out to me, it's imperative that I do not turn it away, certainly not turn it away empty, because the very reaching out is in itself a recognition of need. Indeed, our prayer before communion each week reminds us that we don't receive because we are deemed worthy of it, but precisely because we are not. You'll remember the words, we do not presume to come to this, your table, merciful Lord, trusting in our own righteousness, but in your manifold and great mercies. We are not worthy so much as to gather up the crumbs under your table, but you are the same Lord whose nature is always to have mercy. Now, the true point of that prayer is not to suggest that we should all be groveling in our sense of profound wickedness, but rather that regardless of how unworthy we might be feeling on that particular day, we are still welcome. We are all welcome. We are 
always welcome. I mentioned that there were two artefacts in the V&A that caught my attention recently. The second, which came from the Roman Catholic tradition, was a beautifully engraved silver plaque-like object, two or three inches high, dating from around 1640. It depicts the crucified Christ with Mary and the beloved disciple either side of him, and it bears the Latin inscription, Pax Tecum, peace be with you. What was this strange object? In medieval times, the principal service of the church was, of course, the mass, but the congregation would never normally receive communion in person, only on very special occasions, such as Easter Day. Instead, they went to church in order to witness the sacrifice of the mass performed on their behalf and to look on in wonder at the miraculous transformation of the bread and wine into the body and blood of Christ. However, the tradition developed that at a key moment in the ceremony, the priest would kiss the chalice and then transfer the kiss onto one of those strange little objects, which were either made of wood or, as in the case of the one I've described to you, silver. That little item was called a pax, the Latin word for peace, and the pax would then be passed around the congregation, who in turn would kiss it and pass it on with the accompanying words in Latin, peace be with you. You will, I'm sure, be aware that just before I begin the prayer of consecration in this service, a bit later on, I say to you all, the peace of the Lord be always with you. At this point in the service, many churches, including in my own previous parish, um, congregation members will turn to one another and greet each other. In some settings, it works very well as an expression of our connectedness as a community of faith, even though it's not generally our practice here at St Bride's. However, that apart, the thing I rather like of, about the idea of having a, a thing called a pax that comes down from the altar to be passed around from person to person within the congregation is that it leaves us in absolutely no doubt that it is God's peace that we are being invited to share. It's not primarily about being chummy to each other. Instead, it would be offered, received, kissed, by which act symbolically you take that item to your, and what it represents to yourself, and then passed on to your neighbour. The peace of God comes to us as gift. We're invited to make it our own, and then, importantly, we're required to share it with those around us. So that would have been the experience of a person in the church in the past. It's really helpful to be reminded at this service that we come here to receive gifts that are of God, gifts that are freely offered to us. We do not have to be perfect. We do not have to be holy. We do not have to get it right. We just need to be aware of our need of God, our need to be fed, 
our need of God's peace, our need of each other. And so we are then able to go out from here into the world, back into our daily lives, carrying something of that renewal and that healing and that hope and indeed that peace back into everything we do. The American Trappist monk, theologian, mystic and poet Thomas Merton famously wrote the following prayer and I shall leave you with his words. My Lord God, I have no idea where I am going. I do not see the road ahead of me. I cannot know for certain where it will end, nor do I really know myself. And the fact that I think I am following your will does not mean that I am actually doing so. But I believe that the desire to please you does, in fact, please you. And I hope I have that desire in all that I am doing. I hope that I will never do anything apart from that desire. And I know that if I do this, you will lead me by the right road, though I may know nothing about it. Therefore, will I trust you always, though I may seem to be lost and in the shadow of death. I will not fear, for you are ever with me, and you will never leave me to face my perils alone. Amen. Let us now stand and affirm our faith in the words of the Creed. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten not made, of one being with the Father. Through him all things were made. For us and for our salvation, he came down from heaven, was incarnate from the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary, and was made man. For our sake he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. On the third day he rose again in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son is worshipped and glorified, who has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church, we acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Let us pray. Almighty God, who has promised to hear the prayers of all who ask in faith. Father God, 
we pray for the unity of the church, for all who lead by example, that they may do so guided by the example of your Son, and being steadfast in faith, might bear the cost of discipleship. Lord, in your mercy, hear, hear our, our prayer. Creator God, we pray for your world skillfully and wonderfully made. We pray thanks for the resilience and regeneration of nature, despite our own failings in our care of it. We pray for the people of Pakistan, suffering from flooding, whilst other countries are in drought, and for all the effects of global warming. We pray for all who suffer from the effects of war and conflict, and pray your influence on the hearts and the decisions of all those in power who can bring about change and peace. Lord, in your mercy, hear, hear our, our prayer. Loving God, we give thanks for the freedom which allows us to worship without fear. That we as Christians can gather as a community here on Fleet Street and around the world. We give thanks for all who are gifted with the skills to aid our worship in music and song and praise. And for all who carry your message of love and peace from this place in all they do in the week to follow. Lord, in your mercy. Hear, hear our prayer. Healing God, we pray for all who are sick or suffer in body or mind, for all who care for them, and especially for those who feel lonely and afraid in their sickness. May they know you with them as you share in their pain, as you did in that of your son. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Eternal God, we pray for all who have died, giving thanks for their time with us, however long or short. For the hearts they have touched and the legacies they leave behind. We pray your care on their souls and their everlasting peace. Merciful Father, accept, accept these prayers for the sake of your Son, Son our Saviour Jesus Christ. Christ. Amen. Amen. Will you please stand?
Christ is our peace. He has reconciled us to God in one body by the cross. We meet in his name and we share his peace. The peace of the Lord be always with you. Blessed are you, Lord God of all creation. Through your goodness we have this bread to offer, 
which earth has given and human hands have made, it will become for us the bread of life. Blessed be God forever. Blessed are you, Lord God of all creation. Through your goodness we have this wine to offer, fruit of the vine and work of human hands. It will become our spiritual drink. Blessed be God forever.
accept our praises, Heavenly Father, through your Son, our Saviour, Jesus Christ. And as we follow his example and obey his command, grant that by the power of your Holy Spirit, these gifts of bread and wine may be to us his body and his blood, who in the same night that he was betrayed took bread and gave you thanks. He broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take, eat, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup and gave you thanks. He gave it to them, saying, Drink this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it, in remembrance of me. Therefore, Heavenly Father, we remember his offering of himself made once for all upon the cross. We proclaim his mighty resurrection and glorious ascension. We look for the coming of his kingdom, and with this bread and this cup, we make the memorial of Christ, your Son, our Lord. Christ is the mystery of suffering. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Accept through him, our great high priest, this, our sacrifice of thanks and praise. And as we eat and drink these holy gifts in the presence of your divine majesty, renew us by your spirit, inspire us with your love, and unite us in the body of your Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Through him, and with him, and in him, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, with all who stand before you in earth and heaven, we worship you, Father Almighty, in songs of everlasting praise. Blessing and honour and glory and power be yours forever and ever. Amen. Let us pray with confidence as our Saviour has taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, for ever and ever. Amen. We break this bread to share in the body of Christ. Though we are many, we are one body, because we all share in one bread. Draw near with faith. Receive the body of our Lord Jesus Christ, which he gave for you, and his blood, which he shed for you. Eat and drink in remembrance that he died for you, and feed on him in your hearts, by faith, with thanksgiving. We do not presume 
to come to this your table, merciful Lord, trusting in our own righteousness, but in your manifold and great mercies. We are not worthy so much as to gather up the crumbs under your table, but you are the same Lord, whose nature is always to have mercy. Grant us, therefore, gracious Lord, so to eat the flesh of your dear Son, Jesus Christ, and to drink his blood, that our sinful bodies may be made clean by his body, and our souls washed through his most precious blood, and that we may evermore dwell in him, and he in us. Let us pray. God of all mercy, in this Eucharist you have set aside our sins and given us your healing. 
grant that we who are made whole in Christ may bring that healing to his broken world. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Almighty God, we thank you for feeding us with the body and blood of your Son, Jesus Christ. Through him we offer you our souls and bodies to be a living sacrifice. Send us out in the power of your Spirit to live and work to your praise and glory. Amen. of God which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in the knowledge and love of God and of his Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. And the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be among you and remain with you always. Amen. Amen. 